Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for this week's episode with the one and only Hal Elrod. Hal wrote a book that caught fire and has sold now more than 2 million copies around the world called The Miracle Morning. And I met Hal several years back. And over the course of the last year, as I've really taken my mornings to the next level, I thought it'd be really valuable given the, the challenges many of us are going through to think about what's a simple step anyone can do to take their life to the next level. So I went deep with Hal and he breaks down his formula for creating an absolutely epic morning. You know, they say if you win the morning, you win the day. And as I've interviewed different, you know, from Navy SEALs to elite performers, what I've found is that almost all of them segment their goals into small component parts. And I think the beauty of approaching the morning is most high-level CEOs, you know, from your Oprah Winfrey's to, you know, on down, usually start their day uh, with an epic morning and some type of workout, some type of mindfulness or meditation practice. And for me, mine has been largely around uh, exercise, getting outside, getting some sun, ideally putting my feet in the sand or in the grass, uh, some journaling when I'm really good, as well as meditation. And if I'm, if I'm near a body of water, jumping in, ideally a cold body of water. Uh, for me, I found that there's no better way to start the day. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on your miracle morning and uh, on this episode. If you enjoy it, please go ahead and leave us uh, a rating and review over on iTunes. I really appreciate it. Helps us grow in the algorithm and helps us uh, build this community and get more and more epic guests. And I'm committed to uh, continuing to bring you guys value. So without further ado, it's my great pleasure to introduce the one and only Hal Elrod. All right. I'm here with my friend Hal Elrod. Hal, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. You too, Michael. It's great to be here, man. Enjoy the, the deep breathing that we just got to do together. <laughs> yes. For those listening, uh, Hal and I uh, met some years ago through a mutual friend, Giovanni. And uh, you've been on, you've had actually some, some fairly significant life events since our first meeting. You've actually had two uh, uh, life-threatening situations. And I think for those listening, as I did my research, um, you know, I think a lot of people obviously were recording amidst the gl a global pandemic. Many people are are really in a state of challenge, trying to figure out how to pivot. Um, and I and I thought of you for a variety of reasons. One, because of your personal resilience. Two, because I think you know when you win your morning, you win your day. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people can benefit from that. So one, I'm just really excited to to be having this conversation with you. But can you give a little bit of background? Um, We'll tap obviously into Miracle Morning in a bit, but into your personal story and some of the some of the things that you've overcome in your own life. Yeah, um, I think a good way to frame it, and this helps me from talking for you know I, I'm long winded, so instead of making this a 20 minute answer, if I frame it, it's easier for me, uh, and I think for the listener. So um, the way that I frame it is that I've experienced three rock bottoms in my life. And uh, let me define that, because if you're listening to this, I would imagine you've experienced rock bottoms in your life. In fact, more than three, but those are the three big ones for me. A rock bottom is any, any time in your life when you're challenged beyond where you've ever been challenged before. So you reach a point where um, you question everything. Sometimes you question your faith, you question life, you question what's the meaning, what's the purpose, you question your own resilience. Can I overcome this? 
I've never experienced anything like this before. And the first was when I was 20 years old, I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour. Um, my car spun off the drunk driver and the car behind me broadsided me in the door at a full 70 miles per hour and completely crushed the left side of my body. So I broke 11 bones. Uh, I was found dead at the scene. I bled to death. I was clinically dead for six minutes, airlifted to the hospital, revived on the, the helicopter and uh, spent six days in a coma, flatlined twice more and woke up to the news I would never walk again. And uh, that was the first time that, you know, I was right. You, you wake up and you can't even like, what, what happened? You, you can't even fathom it. Right. Mm. And, uh, and so that was the first, the first rock bottom, if you will, where I was challenged. The second uh, in 2008, this was the common one. Uh, if anybody was around 2008, the U S economy crashed. I crashed with it. Um, I lost over half of my clients, therefore half of my income. I could not pay my mortgage. I started living on credit cards to buy, you know, food and gas. Um, and got really in debt and uh, having my house taken away by the bank, uh, body fat percentage tripled. It was really physically and mentally, and we can talk about why, but it was actually a lot more challenging than the car accident for some different reasons. Um, and then I created, uh, you know, we'll, we'll dive into this, I know, but I created a morning ritual. I was like, how do I turn my life around? And I just did some research on, online. They kept coming across the premise that if you start your day in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state, if you get a little bit better every morning, every day, then you become the person that you need to be to overcome whatever's holding you back or accomplish whatever it is that you want to accomplish. And it happened so fast from this morning ritual that I started that I told my wife, I go, sweetheart, we've doubled our income in like two months. I'm running. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm confident. I'm, you know, I go, it's, I can't believe it. It feels like a miracle. And she goes, it's your miracle morning. And I go, yeah, I like that miracle morning. So I started writing my schedule and, you know, never knew it would be this, this book or this movement or anything like that. And the third rock bottom was the most recent. A little over three years ago, I was diagnosed with a very rare aggressive form of cancer and given a 10 to 30% chance of surviving, right? Which you're, if you're a glass is half empty kind of person, that, you know, that's a 70 to 90% chance that I was going to die. And that's tough news for anybody, but if you're a parent, I think you, you, it takes on a different level of significance, at least for me. If it was just me, I'd have been like, I'm, I'm, I'm at peace, I can go, whatever you know, is meant to be. But it's like, I had a seven-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son that, you know, that I felt need my guidance for the next you know, quite a few decades. And so that was the most difficult adversity I've ever faced. And um, I am, you know, long story short now, cancer-free and uh, on a mission to elevate the consciousness of humanity one person at a time, one morning at a time through everything that I've been through, everything that I've learned and just, you know, sharing it and, and teaching it to other people. I love that. Uh, first of all, thanks for giving a, a little bit of context. So I had known about the, the life-threatening context. I hadn't really realized in 2008 the, the economic pitfalls. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that uh, currently, obviously, given the fact that now, you know, estimates are, you know, tens of millions of people in the United States alone that have lost their jobs. Yeah. Many people really at the moment trying to figure out how to pivot effectively in that context. Um, what was it? What, how did you move from sort of losing your home? All, all those kind of, you know, way, you talk about, you touch a little bit on the, on the miracle morning. Obviously yeah. that that book is sold now over 2 million copies. You've literally ignited a, a movement. What was it that helped you, if you will, uh, get back into a healthy mindset, get back into a, uh, a more abundant way of being amidst the scarcity, both collectively and individually? 
Yeah, I, I, I'm, I think this is so important to talk about. And, and I've almost been waiting for this, meaning um, I back in 2008, the economy was still declining. And after the six month downward spiral, as I started doing this morning ritual and I started gaining knowledge and confidence and because I was depressed, like for the first time in my life, that was the first time I got really depressed because I'm really optimistic. I always say there's a fine line between optimism and delusion. Right. And I think a lot of us cross it, you know, pretty often. And and for me, it's like when the economy started crashing in 2007, um, people were talking about it. And I'm like, they're like, oh, are you worried? I'm like, dude, I don't watch the news. I create my own economy, blah, 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 blah. Right. Like just 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 completely, you know, in denial, if you will. And uh, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, if people are their if their income is suffering and you are relying on them to pay you for your goods or services, well, that's a real issue. Right. And they stop paying me. Um, and so after a few months and, it, and things not getting better, I got scared. I got depressed. It felt hopeless. And and then once I created this morning ritual um, and I started getting better every day and we can get into, into I, I want to get into the specifics for people, but I want to cover a little bit of the broader to understand uh, how this all plays out. Um, as I started getting better, even the first day, the first day I did this morning ritual, it was six practices and I sucked at all of them. Like I, I didn't know how to meditate. Affirmations felt totally goofy and totally inauthentic to me, right? I'm amazing. I am awesome. I, right? um, I didn't know how to visualize, you know, all these things I was doing this. So the first morning I did my, my, you know, morning practice, it didn't have a name. It wasn't a book idea. Um, even after one hour of a, a mediocre version of this ritual, I felt incredible. I felt optimistic because here's the thing, you know, there's a lot of different things that cause depression, you know, and I'm not, I'm no, I don't have a PhD, right. But I've looked into depression a lot. I've suffered from it. And there's various things that can cause depression. Uh, one of them is hopelessness, right? When you lose hope and that's where, well, that's what it caused mine is I'm like, no, 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 I got this right. And then week after week after week, I didn't get better. I got worse. I lost client after client after client after client. I canceled my gym membership. Looking in the mirror, I'm getting fatter and fatter and fat, you know, and, and it was just, it was very depressing. And after that first morning, what I was given or what I gave to myself was hope. I went, wait a minute. I feel so much clearer and calmer and more centered. And I learned something this morning that I can apply to my business to grow my business. I thought if I start every day like this, it is only a matter of time before I become the person that I need to be in terms of my mindset, my knowledge, my habits, that I, that I become the person I need to be to create the success that I want in my life. And that's where it was within a couple of months. Now, specifically what I did, okay, so day one, the depression kind of went away because I was hopeful again. I went, well, this, this, this will work, right? This is, I can't, I can't, if I get better, it's only the outer world's going to reflect the inner world kind of thing. And, but here's the specific, right? Cause I was a coach. So that was my, my income primarily was coaching business owners and salespeople and a little bit of life coaching, but my background was in sales. So that was most of my clients. And so the first book that I ordered was called book yourself solid by Michael Port, right? Which is a book on how to get clients. And so it's not rocket science, right? Like whatever your in whatever your income producing activity is, whatever your industry is, whatever your field is, right? You find someone that's gone before you, right? That's that's done whatever you need to do. So I simply read that book and I applied it. But what, but an important piece of that was I did it from a place, and you mentioned that abundant mindset. I did it from not from a place of scarcity, which is where I'd operated for the six months of decline, right? Like I am fearful every day. I'm scared. I'm terrified. And utilizing affirmations, and we, I'd love to 
if we have time, dive into how to do affirmations in a way that's not goofy and cheesy and feels inauthentic. But I created affirmations that were rooted in truth, that were results-oriented, that were actionable. So that when I affirmed it every day, it reminded me not of what I was afraid of, not of what had gone wrong up until that point, which I kept replaying in my mind every day. It, it clarified what I was committed to why that was crucial for me to stay committed to it. And then it identified the specific actions and behaviors that I needed to live in alignment with every day that would make that reality inevitable. So not, right, not foo-foo, not woo-woo, but it was very, very practical. And so I affirm that every day and that I optimized my mindset, not to mention the meditation. So all of these things, every morning, I, 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 I akin it to like, it's like the reset button. If you're living in stress, right, and if, if money's tied and your business is failing and you're losing clients, then every day is kind of like Groundhog's Day. You go to bed worried and you wake up worried, and then you go to bed worried and then you wake up worried. The beauty of this morning practice, this miracle morning when I started doing it is every, if I had a bad day, I didn't go to bed worried. I went to bed optimistic about, okay, in the morning, I know exactly what I need to focus on to get myself in a peak state so that even though today sucked, tomorrow I'm gonna crush, I'm gonna win tomorrow. And it was every day I got, it was like a fresh start. It wasn't Groundhog's Day anymore. Every day I started in a peak state and then I, I brought that version of myself and what I was learning into my day. I produced results and I repeated. And then within two months, I more than doubled my income and I didn't get a new job. And, and the best part about this was, or the most hopeful part for people listening to this in the midst of the declining economy is the economy was still getting worse, yeah. right? But if you get better, it doesn't matter what's happening in the economy, right? You can figure out, because there are, there are always entrepreneurs that will thrive even in the midst of a declining economy. And, but those, those entrepreneurs are doing things, right, that, that allow them to put themselves in a position to take advantage, uh, and not take advantage in a, in a negative context, right? But take advantage of the opportunities that are available to all of us at all times. Yeah, I love that you broke that down because many, both on a, a micro and macro scale, many of the most successful businesses actually have have been birthed and, th and thrived in and through recession. And we are entering into or amidst a recession at present. And so I think, but I, but I, I love, you know, whether it be Navy SEALs, uh, there's a there's a, an incredible film called Into the Void where a man was basically left for dead. I don't know if you've watched that. Uh, in I've a heard of it. I've not seen it. Yeah, he's in a crevasse in 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 the Andean Mountains and had a broken femur. You know, almost everyone would have given up, uh, but he he basically climbed down, and the only way he was able to do that was to focus on the ten feet in front of him, not hmm. the thousands of feet that were ahead of him with a broken femur, freezing cold on a mountain. But basically to, to segment, to break it down into micro steps. And what I love about the morning is ostensibly you're segmenting. So instead of these huge obtuse goals or these huge concerns that are plaguing us, you're focusing on what you can actually do in a small sense every day. And when I've been at my best, it's when I've had those consistent morning practices. So I'd love if you could, Hal, just break down for those who have listened. Some, some I'm sure have read the book, but for those who haven't, what are the tenets of your morning practice? And, 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 and I know, obviously, as you mentioned, affirmation. So that's one for me I'd love to incorporate. Yeah. I feel like I'd love to rewire my brain. I still have that nagging, uh, 
kind of I grew up with Stuart Smiley. Me on, too. Uh, I, yeah, I reference that all the time. Yeah, so like I kind of always like take the piss out of myself when I start to do an affirmation. Yet I know the power of rewiring my brain. So yeah. can you break down for us what those tenants are, and and then we'll we'll, we'll go we'll go deeper from there. Yeah. So the, the Miracle Morning is made up of six practices. And these are the, I mean, if none of these are new, by the way, right, they, but they are timeless. And if you study the world's most successful people throughout history, you'd be hard pressed to find one of them that didn't swear by at least one of these practices, if not two or three, right? Um, and, uh, and in fact, when I first was figuring out what I was gonna do for my morning ritual, because I wanted it to be like the ultimate morning ritual, I wanted it to turn my life around. I was looking for the one practice, maybe one or two that I should do in the morning. Like, should I meditate? I was trying to, I was putting them against each other going, well, which is going to be the most effective? And there was no conclusion because it just depends on who you ask, right? One, you know, there was an article on Fortune 500 CEOs that swear by meditation. And, you know, and if you, if you ask them, like, they're like, yeah, that's been the game changer for my mental clarity and, and lowering my stress and all of that. But then if you ask somebody else, I saw Will Smith on the Ellen DeGeneres show when I was doing the research and he swore by affirmations. He said, I created affirmations that articulated what I wanted and who I needed to be to achieve what I wanted. And then I just read them every day and I lived in alignment with what they said. I became that person. And what do you know? I created the results, right? So as I looked at the six practices, I go, well, well, which one's the best? And the epiphany was when I went, gosh, dang it, none of them. Wait a minute. What if I did all of them? What if I woke up tomorrow morning and I did the six most timeless, proven personal development practices in history, right? And so these are organized. This will help your brain uh, keep track of these in an acronym, and this is thanks to my wife, this is her idea, SAVERS, S-A-V-E-R-S. And, and, and I would say that this is a perfect acronym because you could say these are these six practices that will kind of save us from missing out on living to our full potential, right? The first S is for, I'll run through the six and then I'll, I'll, I'll dive into each one a little bit. The first S is for silence, right? That's starting your day with meditation, prayer, Wim Hof breathing, right? Something that puts you in that calm, lowers your cortisol levels, puts you in a calm, centered state. The A is for affirmations. The V is for visualization. The E is for exercise. The R is for reading. And the final S is for scribing, which is a fancy pretentious word for writing, uh, but I needed an S at the end of the, the acronym. Um, the, uh, and by the way, most people do their miracle morning in one hour, okay? From, from surveys that we've done of our community, we've got 2 million people in the community. Uh, most do it in about an hour, um, and it's something like 70%, give or take, and then about 20% do 30 minutes, and about 10% do less than that. And in the, in the Miracle Morning book, there's a chapter I wrote called The Six-Minute Miracle Morning, which is like, I don't recommend it every day, but on the days where you're pressed for time, if you do one minute of silence, one minute of affirmations, one minute of visualization, of exercise, reading, and scribing, right, even just a minute of each, it gets you calm, focused, center, and kind of prepped for the day. So the S for silence, again, your meditation, your prayer time. Um, if you've never meditated before, I recommend using an app, right? A meditation app, or go to YouTube and just type in guided meditation. Um, as far as apps go, uh, we don't have a Miracle Morning app yet, but uh, you know, Calm, Headspace, uh, Simple Habit, those are some popular apps that are free in the app store. And you can do it as little as five minutes, you know, or even one minute, but usually five to 10. Um, the A for affirmations, I'm going to dive into this for a bit. Uh, affirmations have a bad rap for one of three reasons. Number one, because you grew up with Stuart Smalley, as you indicated, <laughs> so did I, right? And he used to look in the mirror. He had this show called I or uh, Affirmations with Stuart Smalley. And he'd look in the mirror and he would say in a goofy voice with a lisp, 
I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me, right? So it's kind of cheesy. And, uh, and it's hard if you, yeah, if you grow up with that to take it seriously. But here's the two big, big problems with affirmations that self-help gurus, if you will, have perpetuated for, I don't know how long, years or decades probably. Number one, we're taught to affirm something that is not true, that we wish to be true, as if it were already true. So for example, if you want to be wealthy, you might have an affirmation that says something like, I am a millionaire. I am a millionaire. But if you're not a millionaire, right? If you're struggling financially, then you're affirming something that, that goes against reality and your, your subconscious is smart enough. You're going to go, I am a millionaire. And your subconscious is going to go, dude, no, you're not. Right. And you're like, no, no, no. I am a millionaire. And it's, you know, you're not even a thousandaire. What are you talking about? Right. So you're fighting with reality and the truth will always prevail. So I don't think you should ever affirm in the form of something that is not true. Now, now, is there merit to that? Can it work? Can you trick yourself into believing it? Absolutely. But I don't think it's optimum. The second problem with affirmations is we're taught to use this flowery passive language. Um, and here's an example. We'll stick with the a financial affirmation. You probably heard something like this. It's very popular. I am a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. Right? I, I, Michael, I, I imagine if I asked you or anyone that's accumulated wealth, they did not do it because they were a magnet and they didn't do it effortlessly right? But most people that have a fortune, they, they actually worked really hard to create value for the world and the world paid them, reciprocated that in, in the form of financial benefit, right? So, so affirming that some magic's going to happen because you have a vision board on the wall or because you, you lie to yourself and say, I'm, I'm amazing and money's flowing at me, right? It doesn't work that way. So here's three really simple steps. And I, I alluded to them earlier, but here they are. If you're going to jot these down, number one, affirm what you're committed to. So don't say I am a millionaire or I am wealthy or I am skinny or I am married. Say I am committed to becoming a millionaire. I'm committed to transforming my health. I'm committed to losing 20 pounds. I'm committed to, right, get specific with your result, your outcome, but form it, phrase it as if you're committed because that's what gets you there, right? You've got to remain committed. And when you affirm that every day, when you start out with a big goal or dream, most of us, it's hard to get committed, right? It takes a lot of spending a lot of time with that, that idea, that outcome, and really solidifying that commitment. So this form of affirmation will do that for you. Number two, why is that outcome crucial for you? Number, why is it crucial for you? So when I was younger, I wanted, when I was 20, I'm like, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 25. And then I turned 25 and I, you know, I had a few thousand bucks saved and I'm like, all right, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. And then when I was 30, I was in debt after the depression and stuff, right? And, and so on and so forth. Then I had a baby. I had a, my, I didn't have my daughter. My wife had a baby. Uh, my daughter, our daughter, Sophie. And uh, I, I changed my affirmations. I said, I'm committed to becoming financially free for my wife and my daughter and our family because they deserve it and I deserve it and they're counting on me for it. Once I had that why, I was willing to do whatever it took and within five years, I hit that goal. Um, and the third step is which specific actions will you take and when? Which specific actions will you take and when? So now you're affirming every day, right? Not just that magic's gonna happen, but that you've got to do these things at these times on these days. And if you do those things, 
then you're gonna hit that outcome. And if you don't, you won't. So these three steps right now, it's not rooted in a lie. You're not tricking yourself into believing something. You're not promising some magical result, but you're affirming what you're committed to, why it's crucial to you, and the specific actions that you must take and when you're going to take those. And now if you if you you use that affirmation formula, well, it's a matter of simply upholding your integrity, following through with what you're affirming every day. And if you do that, your success is essentially inevitable. It's only a matter of time. I love that. Let's pause there on this affirmations for a second. So I love that you actually have a I'm committed to and a by when, because I, that is the piece that's felt missing for me in this heart sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, sort of law of attraction oriented, I am declaration. Yeah. Um, the New Yorker in me, you know, like is, is very much having, you know, doing like the global citizen and peak mind and knowing what it takes to produce results in time is always like, yeah, that sounds a little too soft. Like what's the, what's the accountability? What's the by when? So how do you actually, what's the process of articulating the by when? So you may say, for example, let's utilize since you started with the financial uh, example, if you were to say, I am committed to becoming a millionaire, um, and then you were to break down how you were going to go about that process because you have to be on some path to achieve that result. How would, is it, is it a, you know, for example, like, you know, Julia Cameron will have her morning pages and then her artist dates. Uh, and how, how do you go about the process of articulating your by when so that you can incorporate it effectively into your affirmation? Do you, are you asking, just, I want to clarify, are you asking um, how do you decide by which date you're going, you want to achieve that outcome? Uh, in essence, what I'm asking is I understand the muscle training of utilizing the morning, right, mm-hmm. as, your, as your gym, if you will. Uh, my question is how do you actually set up the gym effectively in the first place? So how do you, how does one you know, when you're doing, and maybe it's in the reflection post meditation in the morning, maybe it's on a Sunday when you actually carve out the equivalent of an artist date to actually say, okay, here are my visions and here's what I'm committed to on a macro scale. Now let me break it down into micro bites on a day by day basis. But in order to create, I would imagine an effective affirmation, I'm committed to being a millionaire by next year. And I'm going to do that by uh, consulting and I'm committed to getting a, you know, $100,000 month through 10 clients at $10,000, you know, basically how am I, when am I doing the visioning process around the what for the by when and, and, and also how do I articulate the by when so as to create that affirmation in a way that serves me in achieving that result. So the, I would just say during your miracle morning, right? Mm-hmm. You can create your affirmation. So you don't need, yes. I mean, you, if you want to schedule, do it on a Saturday, you can. But for me, sometimes, you know, as I'm my miracle morning, there are certain days where I update my affirmations all the time. They're always in rough draft form. And yep. so um, the, and, and also that formula, by the way, is the foundation, but an affirmation is really just a reminder of something that you want to keep top of mind. Mm-hmm. So I might have an affirmation that simply reminds me of, um, how I'm going to show up for my wife, right? But it might not follow that formula. That formula I have for each one of my goals. And I'll give you an example of how it played out. Um, when I first started using affirmations, it was actually before the miracle morning. Uh, I, uh, I was in sales and I was trying to go out and have my best year ever. I had, I, I was, I had hit hall of fame with the company that I work for and I was, I decided I was done And then I went to a conference and I realized, wow, I never gave it my all. Like I never had, I never reached the highest level in my company in a year. In fact, I reached half of that. 
which was um, one of the top anyway spots. But I decided that I wanted to give it my all uh, for one more year. And so the affirmation was, I am committed to selling X amount of my product, right, uh, by the end of the year, right? So I mean, it was a very, so sometimes you have to create your own timeline. Sometimes the timeline is handed to you, right? Um, When I wrote The Miracle Morning, I announced, uh, and it was funny, I was reading my affirmations from 2012 this morning. Uh, It was really cool. I pulled out my old Miracle Morning three ring binder and I was like, oh, this was really cool looking through all this stuff from like eight years ago. But I read the affirmation, I am committed to writing for one hour per day, right, 6 to 7 a.m. to finish writing The Miracle Morning by, and I had the publish date, 12, 12, 12, right? So I decided when I wanted to publish that book, uh, and then I figured out, okay, I backed up from that, okay, how many words do I have to write per day so that I'm able to be done on the day that I need to get the book to the editor, right? Mm. So it's kind of reverse engineering from what is that outcome, when do I want that outcome, and then backing it up. Now, if it's a bigger, if it's an outcome like um, earning a certain amount of income or growing your company to a certain amount of revenue, right, you can set a target date, but um, as we all know, right, that may or may not happen. In fact, in this is the new book, The Miracle Equation, uh, it, which is more, The Miracle Morning is about your morning practice. The Miracle Equation is kind of how do you take that practice and turn it into these tangible, measurable results. And one of my favorite philosophies came from Jim Rohn and I think, or many of my favorite philosophies came from Jim Rohn, but this one in particular, uh, to paraphrase what Jim said, he said, um, the purpose of a goal is not to hit the goal. The, the, the purpose of a goal is to become the person that you need to be to achieve any and every goal that you ever set. Right? So whether or not you hit the target by the date, doesn't matter nearly as much as how you show up every day while you're working toward that target. If you wake up every day and you truly give it your all, but your time, your guesstimate on how long it would take to reach the goal was off and you get to the end and you go, oh, what was it? I'm not even close. Most people feel like a failure. But if you've developed the mindset and the skill sets and the habits right? That, that will serve you? Well, you simply, you just picked the wrong, you know, your timing was off. And I'll give you, I'll give you a really real example of that. When I wrote The Miracle Morning, um, my mission was to change 1 million lives one morning at a time. I wanted to reach a million people. And I chose the arbitrary timeline of, well, let's do it this year, right? Well, you know, one year. Yeah. And at the end of that year, now keep in mind, I wanted to, I needed to sell a million copies. I did everything I could that year. I gave 36 speeches. I was on 12 TV shows. I, was, I did 52 of my own podcasts. I did 152 other people's podcast interviews. I gave it everything I had. And I sold 17,000 copies that year. So I was 983,000 copies short of my goal, 98.3% short. But this philosophy from Jim Rohn that I just shared, I learned that like, when I was 19 or 20 years old. And so I went, oh, my timing was way off. Like I'm obviously way, way off, but I didn't give up on the goal. I just went, I have to continue to maintain unwavering faith that I can reach this goal and put forth extraordinary effort day in and day out until I get there. And after in year two, I sold like 23,000 copies. I was at like, what, 40,000 copies? Still 960,000 copies short, right? And it took six years, but if I can share, this is to me one of the most important lessons I've ever learned. And if you're right now, 
not where you want to be. I, I find that for most of us, because we're so forward thinking, very rarely are we where we want to be. We usually are impatient. We're looking ahead. We're looking at other people and comparing ourselves to them going, man, if I, I, I want to be where they are, right? Yeah, totally. And one of the, the greatest lessons I've learned and, and that story that I just shared about how it took me six years to reach my one-year goal, it's in, that embodied the lesson. The lesson is this. When you finally get to the point in your life or in your business that you've been working so hard for, for so long, you almost never wish it would have happened any sooner. Instead, you look back, you know, and they say hindsight is twenty twenty, but you look back and you realize, oh, the timing's perfect. I had to go through all of that shit. I had to go through those ups and those downs, those valleys. I had to struggle I, I, because all of that enabled me to become the person that I needed to be to get to the point that I'm at now. And so from that lesson, for me, it's, it's about waking up every day and being at peace with where you are, no matter where that is, no matter, right? If you're in the midst of struggle, that, be at peace with it. In fact, every emotional pain that we feel is a result of us resisting reality, wishing things were different in the moment that than they can be. And so being at peace with where you are while you wake up every day and you maintain a healthy sense of urgency to move forward, right? But, but it's kind of both sides of the same coin. You're, every day you're at peace and you're grateful and you're happy, not based on what's going on around you, but based on what's going on inside of you. And then every day you're putting forth effort, just doing one thing every day that moves you a little bit further ahead towards your vision for where you wanna be. And if you live that way, you're living in a, in a state of perfection because nothing's ever wrong and it's always getting better. I love that. And it's so true, like, because as you said, resistance to what is, is the source of all suffering, right? That's mm -hmm. uh, the, the very essence of Buddhism. Um, that, that said, so you talk about, which I like, this notion of healthy urgency. So both being at ease in a way and in, in acceptance and also still have holding forth a vision and continuing to, uh, if you will, iterate, commensurate with that greater vision. So I want to get back into, we left off now with affirmations. Can yeah. you, can, can, let's, let's continue on the journey. Yeah. What are the other essential elements of that miracle morning? So the V is for visualization and all, you don't have to look any further than the world's greatest athletes. They swear by visualization, right? They, they see themselves achieving what they're going to achieve before they achieve it. But there's again, kind of like affirmations. I think there's a counterproductive way that visualization has been taught for far too long. Mm. We're taught to visualize the outcome alone, right? And, 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 you know, back in the day, what was the, the movie, the secret, you know, made vision boards popular, right? And it's just put a bunch of pictures of the outcomes that you want on a board on your wall and then magically wait for it to come true. Right. Um, there is value in visualizing your ideal outcome, but I believe that it is, it's only half of the equation and it's actually less important than this other form of visualization, which I'll, I'll share right now. So the, the value in visualizing the ideal outcome is it tends to fuel your desire and it tends to help solidify your belief. I'll give an example. I was, uh, I, I, in my life, I hated running, right? Whenever I had to run in high school PE class, I hated it. You never would catch me running unless it was required, right? And when I started doing the Miracle Morning, a buddy of mine, uh, John Vroman, uh, is the founder of the Front Row Foundation. And he called me and said, hey, we're doing an, a, a marathon this year for the Front Row Foundation. Uh, would you be up for doing it? And I go, no, I'll, I'll donate some money, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not running. 
And then I started doing the Miracle Morning and I started getting outside of my comfort zone. I went, wait, what better way to become like a different version of myself mentally and physically than to commit to run a marathon. I've never run more than a mile and that killed me. So I called my buddy, John. I said, hey, I'm gonna run a marathon. He's like, what? What, what, what changed, right? And I said, I just don't worry about it. And then I decided to run a double marathon. I, I, just, just, I started training and I decided to run 52 miles in one day. And here's how I use visualization for that. And I think this will really help people like get this. So my visualization contained of two parts. The first part was the ideal outcome. I printed a picture off of Google Images of the Atlantic City finish line because that was the, the, the run that we were doing. And every day I would look at that, that image that I had printed out and then I would close my eyes and I would imagine crossing the finish line. And then I would create the emotional experience. I would imagine what that would feel like to have just completed something that former me never imagined I could do in a million years. But that was, so that was part of the visualization. What that did is that created a drive. I thought, wow. And it created a belief. I've seen it so many times. I can do it. I believe it. I I actually feel it. Now, if that's all you do, though, it's counterproductive because you trick yourself into, you trick your brain into thinking that that outcome is a foregone conclusion when it is absolutely not. The most important part of visualization is this second part. Every morning, I would visualize myself engaged in the activity that was required to produce the outcome and did so in a peak mental and emotional state. So what I would do is I would literally close my eyes and imagine my phone alarm going off at 7 a.m. because that was my running time every morning. And then I would imagine myself picking up the phone, turning off the alarm, walking into my closet, through my bedroom into the closet, getting dressed in my running clothes. Then I'd imagine myself walking back out and I would see this like it was a movie. And then I would see myself open the front door to my house and look out onto my sidewalk. And I would always, in real time, that while I was visualizing, I would smile. I'd picture myself smiling. And, and I would think the thoughts, this is gonna be an amazing run. I'm gonna feel so good. I'm gonna feel so energized. This is so good for me. And I would create this optimum emotional experience. And then I would, you know, I'd see myself head out onto the run. And here's what would happen, as you might imagine, Michael, when my alarm actually went off 30 minutes later on my phone, and it was running time, if I hadn't done the visualization, as someone who hated running, I would have gone, uh, and I probably would have talked myself out of it. I'd have gone, yeah, I'll run tomorrow, right? But instead, it was automatic. I had programmed my subconscious. I turned the alarm off, I stood up, I went in my bedroom, I got dressed in my running clothes, I went out the front door. You could probably guess what happened when I opened the front door. I smiled. It was automatic, right? And I was flooded with those same positive emotions that I had generated in the morning. And then I went on my run. And, you know, six months later, I I had run 500 miles in training. And then I ran 52 miles in one day. It was the worst day of my life, by the way. I haven't run since. But, um, (laughs) But the point is, visualization in the way that that I'm, I'm sharing it is you're using it not to just get excited about an outcome. That's a very small part of it. You're using it to put yourself in a peak physical and mental and emotional, or really mental and emotional, create that optimal emotional state, rehearse it in the morning so that, and whether that's picking up the phone to cold call prospects or that, you know, whatever it is, right? You're rehearsing it in the morning so that when it's game time, you've already been there and it's easier to go there in real time. I love that. I'll go through the rest very quickly because those are the two I really like to dive into. The E for exercise, um, here's what I'm going to say. If you think, well, I already go to the, I go to the gym in the afternoon. 
okay, I'm not saying you need to switch your gym time. I'm saying that you should invest anywhere from at least one minute minimum to 10 minutes of exercise first thing in the morning because it gets your blood flowing. It wakes up your lymphatic system, right? You get blood and oxygen to your brain, which allows you to think clearer, have more clarity, more discipline. And all in all, you have more energy that sustains throughout the day. In fact, Robin Sharma, uh, we interviewed him for the Miracle Morning documentary, and he said the benefits of exercise have been scientifically proven to last as much as 15 hours after the exercise is done. So what I do every morning is I go for a 10-minute bike ride in my neighborhood as part of Miracle Morning. I do it right after the sun comes up. I usually affirm things like, you know, I'm grateful to be alive. This nature is beautiful, right? Just positive things. I feel good. I'm breathing fresh air. I'm getting sunshine. I'm out in nature. And it's only 10 minutes in the morning. Um, the R is for reading, right? And, and again, not rocket science here, but you're only one book away from transforming your thinking and your knowledge around any aspect of your life. You want to improve your marriage? There's a book on that. You want to be happier? There's a book on that, right? Or, or a thousand, right? Um, so reading first thing in the morning, and I will say this. This is how you can, think about how you would scale reading. If you only read 10 pages in the morning, that's 3,650 pages a year. That is the equivalent of 18 200-page self-help books. You're in like the top one-tenth of one society if you're reading 18 200-page self-help books a year, and, and that's only 10 pages in the morning. Cut that in half, five pages in the morning, right? Now, you're still reading nine self-help books a year, almost one a month, right, that can improve your income, your health, your business, your mind, you know, you name it, any area of your life as a parent, et cetera. And then the final S is for scribing. And that's really just, again, a fancy word for writing, um, but journaling. And I used uh, an app for many years. I still use it, actually, the five-minute journal, which is a great app. It takes five minutes. You focus on what you're grateful for in the morning. You write those down. You write down um, your highest priorities for the day. I alternate between that and then free writing, which is where you just set a timer for 10 minutes and you just work through whatever is on your mind. And sometimes it's really positive, grateful stuff. Sometimes you wake up with stress or fear, write it out, figure out. And it's amazing how within 10 minutes, every time I do my free writing, within 10 minutes, I've come to some sort of breakthrough, uh, either something positive that I want to do for my family, for myself, or work through some sort of fear or anxiety or stress that's been, I've been struggling with, right? Just by putting pen to paper, there's magic. And the last thing I'll say on these six practices, in fact, I'll sum up what um, Robert Kiyosaki said. He had me on his show. He had read The Miracle Morning three times. And uh, Robert said, Hal, before The Miracle Morning, every successful person on the planet did at least one of the savers and attributed that to their success. He said, but I had never heard of anyone that did all six of these ancient you know, practices in, in one ritual. And he said, I think that's what makes it so why it creates miracles for people. And I really think it is. You do one of these, it'll change your life, but you do all six every day and you start to see really amazing results. Well, th first of all, thank you for breaking that down. I think it's, it's incredible. It's an incredible practice. I, some of that I have as parts of my morning routine, but I'm actually going to work on incorporating uh, all of it into, into my new morning routine. Um, <laughs> one of the questions I have, I think one of the things that you've done, obviously you hit a chord. Uh, and you have galvanized now more than 1 million, millions of people around the world who have taken on this miracle morning. Um, one of the things that I've found to be effective in helping me instate new patterning, new behaviors is the accountability. 
aspects, mm. right? So working with, so for example, exercise in the morning was not my favorite. I am a, I'm an afternoon evening guy, but I decided, you know what? I want to start the day off with this exercise because I feel like it'll, it'll change the day. And so I did this morning routine where we get up 7 a.m. with two of my neighbors and we do a morning workout because all the gyms are closed now with the, with the coronavirus. Yeah. And we do, we do it down at the beach in the sand and then we would jump into the ocean for a little cold thermogenesis, which uh, on a cloudy day, you do not feel like doing, let me tell you. No, that's but right. I, we felt and I felt amazing. And so I feel like the accountability aspect is another huge benefit that I'm looking to incorporate into setting up my goals. What have you found as you've seen these communities give you feedback on what's working for them, what's not working for them? Uh, are there any things that you've realized since writing the book that you feel like really help people in transforming their lives through this morning practice that, yeah. that has come to you since you, you actually published? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I, I want to touch on you. Accountability was it's such an important piece of it. And I talk about that in the book. And then we have a Facebook group, the Miracle Morning community that has 268,000 members mm -hmm. from over 100 countries. And one of the big focuses, I created that to find accountability partners. Yeah. And I, I had no idea, by the way, it would grow that big. It was started out with like me and my parents and my couple of friends, you know. Um, but you can go in there and you literally can put what country you're in or what time zone you're in and you can find an accountability partner. And the cool thing is you'll find people everywhere from they just started that day that you started to they've done a thousand miracle mornings in a row and everywhere in between, right? Um, so that's an important piece. Uh, one of the things that for me, you know, when I wrote the book, a lot of it was I was just intuitively writing what worked for me. And then to your point, what have I noticed kind of looking back? I'm like, a lot of things I go, oh, wow, thank God I put that in there. That was crucial, right? And, and I want, and here's what I want to share, actually. The biggest one, it was actually a blog post that became a chapter in the book, um, is called the five minute snooze proof wake up strategy. Because here's the biggest challenge. We surveyed our community. And, and if you're listening, by the way, and you're like, eh, this sounds okay, but I am not a morning person. And I'm so much not a morning person that I don't even want to be a morning person. Like I've tried, I've failed, right? And that's, that's a lot of people. And we surveyed our community once somebody was interviewing me on a show a couple years ago. And they said, what percentage of Miracle Morning practitioners were already morning people? So this was not a big hurdle. It was just instead of checking Facebook in the morning, they did the savers. He said, so what percentage were already morning people? So it was just a matter of switching activities. And what percentage were not morning people, had never been a morning person? And so that this for them was a radical like overcoming of a limiting belief. And uh, I said, I have no idea. I should know that. And we surveyed our community. 72% said they had never been a morning person in their entire life before they read the book. And so uh, here's a few of the most important tips. If you're not a morning person, you want to get started on this like tomorrow. Because mm. um, I do recommend people don't put this off. Like set your alarm clock back 30 minutes. Don't even do the full hour. Just 30 minutes, right? Wake up 30 minutes earlier. And don't try to do all the savers on day one. Just do at least one of the savers. Right. So wake up. In fact, a lot of people do the R if they've never read the book or do this. Right. You just wake up at 30 minutes earlier and they just are. They just read. And then once they get to the S for silence, they incorporate that into their morning routine and then they get to the A for affirmations. Right. So you just kind of can stack on it one at a time. Um, so here's how you beat the snooze button. Number one, move your alarm clock as far across the room as humanly possible. 
Because for most of us, the alarm clock is on the bedside table within arm's reach. And even for me, um, one sec, my Instacart orders here, they're going to not know to leave my food. Um, but uh, even for me, if I can reach over and hit the alarm clock, I'm half asleep when I do it. Yeah. Right. I'm half asleep. And so this all snooze multiple times without even realizing that I'm doing it. But when the alarm clock is in on my bathroom sink, which is where it is, I have to get up and walk across the room. And now I'm upright. Now I'm fully awake. And I go straight to brushing my teeth, washing my face, and I stay awake. Right. Um, so that's the most important piece is to move the alarm clock across the room. The second is to drink a full glass of water first thing in the morning because most of us are dehydrated by default. You just went without water for six, seven hours and we perspire, we sweat all night long. But most, most people's first beverage, Michael, is for most people, it's what? Coffee. Coffee, which is a diuretic that further dehydrates you. And so when I wake up, I brush my teeth and then I, I, I usually drink a full glass of water as I'm walking in. And I, don't, I don't drink coffee anymore. I drink green tea, but I walk while I'm making my green tea and my lemon carbon, you know, sodium bicarbonate shot and all these things. I'm drinking the full glass of water. So I hydrate first thing because dehydration causes fatigue. And so ultimately you feel fatigued and you think you're tired, but it's actually because you're dehydrated and you drink coffee. And maybe you have a gen, you know an artificial spike from caffeine, but you're actually further dehydrated, and you're even worse off as the day goes on. So, I whether you drink coffee, green tea, whatever, just make sure you have a full glass of water before you drink any caffeine. Love that. So those are, those are some of the core tenets that you've that you've learned. What what have you seen in the community that has been the greatest epiphany? Like what has come from your community where you're like, wow, this is amazing in terms of birthing, because I think a lot of people listening uh, will be curious about, you know, whatever their vision is, you know, a lot of people would would yearn for, hunger for a community of 2 million people or having had 2 million people buy their book. And as you said, you didn't start off with that, right? You started off more humbly, even though you held that vision and ultimately surpassed it. What have you realized uh, from building and being source for community? Because, you know, Tim Ferriss, for example, talks about a thousand true fans. I think now in the Instagram era, lots of people look at metrics and and are really quantitatively, uh, uh, you know, obsessed and quantity is everything. And as opposed to say quality and the quality of those relationships, which goes perhaps more to that thousand true fans aspect. But what have you found in terms of being source for a large community in terms of any realizations or reckonings that you've had and what have been some of the greatest um, aspects of gestating that kind of community and maintaining that kind of community. Uh, and l- let me ask you, is this, are you asking more in the context of as an entrepreneur or kind of what I've seen just from a human perspective? I think both. I mean, whichever one you find most compelling, I was asking yeah. more from a human perspective, but I actually think it might be fascinating from the context of an entrepreneur. So I think go well, wherever why, you I feel called. I think I can hit both. So yeah, please. from a human perspective, so, and I, I do want to clarify one thing. When I wrote The Miracle Morning, I initially, my vision wasn't a million people. I wrote it out of a sense of responsibility that this thing changed my life and it was changing all of my coaching clients' lives who were not morning people. So I was like, well, I, I have to get it out there. But, and then it was once I started getting feedback, which this is probably the first thing that I can share, is I started seeing results that, would, that like, were mind-blowing to me. Like, the miracle morning saved my marriage. Like, that's an exact quote. And I'm going, that's crazy, right? The miracle morning, I was at a conference speaking. And 
this was either right after the book came or it might have been because I, I was teaching the Miracle Morning for three years while I wrote the book. I was talking about it and giving speeches on it. I was at a speech and a 19 year old uh, college student came up to me and he goes, oh, my God, I have to I have to talk to you. And, and he starts crying and he says, I've been on depression medication for six years. I've been on the, doing the Miracle Morning now for I think he said roughly 30 days or 60 days or something. He said, I'm almost completely off of my depression medication. And I'm like, you know, so the point is what I started seeing was these profound results. And here's the deal. I don't take credit for that. And I also, I don't even fully give the Miracle Morning credit. When I say I don't take credit because the Miracle Morning is just an assembly of these practices that, you know, it's, I'm just the product of everything I've learned, right? And all the mentors I've had in my life, right? Um, but I don't even, what I mean is that it shows that when a human, it shows that human beings are capable of transforming their outer world by transforming their inner world, right? That's what it shows. And then from seeing the community, if you log into the Miracle Morning community and you scroll through it, good luck not being inspired beyond like belief. It's the finest example of human beings supporting each other. There's no political fighting in there. There's, and, and we have moderators. I mean, if there was, but, but that's not even an issue. Like we have moderators that moderate and make sure that improve posts. We get, we get almost none of those. It's people, you're seeing people who are bringing unconditional love and non-judgment and compassion and support for each other. People waking up every day to fulfill their own potential and then, and then logging in and then helping each other do the same. And I'll give you an example. Um, I had, there was a woman, uh, she, she said, this is my, this was a few years ago, but this is, you can see this every day. She goes, this is my first post. And I've been just lurking in this community for the last few weeks, just blown away at how you all support each other. And she said, um, I feel bad to ask for something and not give anything the first time I'm posting, but my husband is going in for open heart surgery tomorrow and I'm scared to death that I'm going to lose him. And I don't know who else to turn to. Most of the people in my life are not very positive. I don't really have a good support group or a positive community. And you're the most positive people I've ever seen. So I, I just wanted to ask if, if you could, any prayers or thoughts or anything would mean so much to me. And in 24 hours, and, and it's been so long, I, I don't remember the exact number, but I believe she had 983 comments on her post. Wow. And I don't know about you, but I've never gotten that many comments on my Facebook page from my friend, you know, 5,000 friends or like, and that's an example of that had nothing to do with morning routines. Yeah. Nothing to do with the miracle morning. Right. It was one human being saying, I need support right now. And so the mission, and this ties it all together, the mission of the Miracle Morning, it started out change millions of lives one morning at a time. And once we reached that goal and I started to see this, this community supporting each other, not just on morning routines, but on being the best human that we can all be, the mission for the Miracle Morning community that we're collectively on is to elevate the consciousness of humanity one morning at a time. And the 1 million goal that we hit is now 1 billion. And I feel like if we can get 1 billion people waking up every day and dedicating time to their own evolution, to elevating their own consciousness, then humanity is gonna be unrecognizable in the most beautiful way possible. I am 
100% aligned with that vision. I love that, brother. Um, I, I feel like that is, when we launched Peak Mind, that was the entire impetus, right? I've been building Global Citizen, which was very much about affecting change in the world and did have and continues to have a very, very significant footprint and impact. And I realized that whilst creating external change was essential, ostensibly, everything also needed to proceed from within because the external world is a manifestation of our collective internal states. So taking care of that state, of which I think, you know, having an effective morning practice is essential, I think is one of the tenets for this evolution, this collective evolution of consciousness, which is essential for our collective well-being. So I want to honor you for that, for your stand in that, in that process, first of all. Ditto, man. Ditto, Michael. Uh, Thank you, brother. Uh, yeah, so I want to be mindful of your time. Um, I, I just got a couple last questions. One is, you know, sort of as we take a step out and just you as Hal Elrod and, and you as Hal Elrod, who both built the community, have, have triumphed over several life-threatening uh, contexts. What are two to three, and it could be books, it could be podcasts, it could be, you know, any resource that you think would uh, serve the listener? Two to three kind of... Uh, Michael, you just built. you just cut out for about five seconds right before... No problem. I'll reiterate the question. Yeah. So, so as a stand for this collective evolution in consciousness, what are two to three books or resources that you could share that are of your favorites that could benefit the listener uh, in their process of their own evolution? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because there are two books right now that are so top of mind for me and and I feel came into my life at the right time. Um, The first is uh, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And that to me opened, really opened me up to what's needed, what's always been needed. But right now with the mental health crisis in the world based on COVID-19 and what potentially is going to continue getting worse as our economy crashes and all of these things, um, it's we need tools to manage our inner state. We need to be like Viktor Frankl, who was a Nazi concentration camp survivor, and in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, and this is not the book I'm recommending, but this is a good one too. Um, but he said um, when he was in the concentration camp with his wife and child at home, watching his friends die, being taken to the gas chambers, uh, he decided that, you know what? If I've only got one hour to live or one day to live or one week to live, I'm going to be the happiest I've ever been. That's, I'm paraphrasing, but he said the, man, the, the last of man's freedoms is to choose one's own attitude in any given set of circumstances. And that's the biggest thing that I've been learning. The last year and a half, I, I went through a real anxiety and depression that was caused by my chemotherapy um, to the point where I, I had lost the will to live. And I only didn't, I mean, I just kept going for my family. It's another story for the next one. But, um, but it led me to this work, a few different works to figure out how to optimize my inner world, despite what was going on biologically and, and psychologically within me. And so the, the first book, The Untethered Soul, really opens you up to what's possible, to how you can think and live and feel. And the second book to me is really much more practical, and that is Loving What Is by Byron Katie. Mm-hmm. The Untethered Soul will open your mind 
And then loving what is will give you the tools to be able to make what you learn in the untethered soul a daily part of your process. And for me now, I was really, you know, I, I was going through a lot of fear over the last year of what's going on in our in our world and our government and society. And uh, and now I just wake up every day and I've, I've chosen instead of being stressed out, I am blissed out. And it has nothing to do with what's going on around me and everything to do with what's going on inside of me. And those two books, uh, The Untethered Soul and Loving What Is are two of my, of my favorites that I hang my hat on right now. I love that, Hal. Uh, first of all, uh, in Singer's Surrender Experiment, which is one of his other books, actually yes. was re- revolutionary for me in a variety of ways as someone who likes to control things and and, and being in the process of surrender. Um, so uh, just to wrap this up, to, I have a final question, but before I ask it, where can people find you? Uh, miraclemorning.com is the best place to go. Miraclemorning.com is where, uh, you, you know, there's links to get the books, my, all of my books. Uh, you can join the community from there. You know, if you look at the homepage, there's pretty much everything you would need. And if you want, you can opt in with your email address and you will get what I call the Miracle Morning Fast Start, which is uh, a sneak peek of the book, uh, a video training and an audio training, all totally free. Um, and then, you know, if you want to, you know, kind of test the book out, check it out before you go buy it. Uh, that's a good way to do it. Awesome. Yeah, no, and I definitely recommend you guys uh, delve deep because I feel like one of the most simple but also most profound things you can do to change your life is to change your morning. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Hal, I want to first of all just acknowledge you, man. I really uh, I appreciate the stand that you are in the world. I appreciate the, the way that you've used your own adversity as a tool and an impetus for others' triumphs. And I think that that's a really beautiful uh, stand that you've taken. And I really admire, um, you know, sort of how you show up even amidst and especially amidst the challenges and using using those challenges as fuel for growth for yourself and also for the collective. So I just want to first off acknowledge you. Um, you And then my final. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. My final question is, what is your definition or what is your vision for a peak mind? Hmm. My definition and vision for a peak mind. I think that a peak mind is one that is at peace with all that is. Um, and always striving, searching, striving, exploring ways to make the collective better, to benefit the greater good, right? And I think that being at peace with where we are and if all of us are looking out for the best interest of those around us, which always means first looking out for our own best interest, right? We have to be at our best to show up. I think that for me, my mindset when I started the Miracle Morning was it was kind of selfish, right? It was like, okay, I'm in debt, I'm struggling. And so I created the Miracle Morning to achieve my selfish goals of I want to make money and I want to do these things. And then when I went through my cancer journey, it really taught me that the miracle morning is really, it's not just about me. It's about me becoming my best so that I can be the, the dad that my kids deserve and the husband that my wife deserves and the leader that, that, you know, my community deserves. Right. And so, yeah, that peak mind is one where you're at peace with where you are and you're always striving to be better uh, for the sake of humanity, if you will. Beautifully said, man. Well, this won't be our last conversation, Hal. I, I'm so grateful for you, brother. And, uh, and thanks for, for sharing some of your gifts with us today. Ditto, Michael. Thanks, man. Look forward to it. Pleasure.
And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Hal Elrod. If you did, uh, let us know what value you got out or what, what you're incorporating into your life. What do you, what, what's your miracle morning going to look like? Uh, feel free to uh, tag us on Instagram at Michael Trainer at Hal underscore Elrod, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll retweet it out. Would love your thoughts, what you're doing to take your day to the next level, starting with your morning. Uh, and again, if you did enjoy the show, it means the world to me if you'd leave us a rating and review over on iTunes uh, as it helps me get incredible guests. And I'm committed to continue to bring you guys the best so that you can take your life to the next level. So with that, wishing you guys an absolutely amazing day, an absolutely amazing morning, sending lots of love. Go out there and live your inspired life.